we're beginning a series um, on the ministry of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and how we can cooperate uh, with the ministry of the Spirit um, in um, our lives. I thought I said children not to wander around. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> you're, looking for, you're looking for the lollipops, aren't you? Well, you can't have one. Oh, she's found them. Um, uh, the, the, minist- the ministry of, of, of the Spirit. And we, we know that there's a number of new folk in our church and the rest of us, sometimes we need reminding. And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to make space to be re-equipped uh, both in our knowledge and uh, being, by being filled with the Spirit so that we might grow in, in the power of the Spirit. We long to see people healed and set free in our midst. We long uh, to see lives changed. And uh, I want to introduce this uh, by looking at the, the story of Gideon. And Gideon, I've been coming back to Gideon over the last weeks I keep coming back to, to his story, and it, his story is only three chapters. It's uh, Judges 6, 7, and 8, and I want to encourage you, maybe sometime later today, have a read of it. It's three chapters so that you know that I'm not making this up, okay? I'm going to quote from the Scripture, obviously, but it's good to sometimes get the whole picture. Um, at the time of Gideon, we read at the beginning of chapter 6, the Midianites and the Amalekites invaded Israel and they came and they, they caused such destruction. Uh, they came and uh, they brought locusts with them and the people of Israel were devastated. Uh, they were invaded and they were attacked. And we read in verse 6 these words, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I believe that this this story is for us today. We've been impoverished over the last 18 months. Our country has been impoverished. we, We all know someone, we all know a few people who have either become seriously ill or died because of covid Our planet is in a terrible state with global warming and we're going to feel the effects of that um, in the coming years. Even this year, uh, there are things happening around the world that are horrible. Droughts that are going forever in some places and horrible storms and flooding in other places. And the refugee crisis, unless a miracle happens, it's only going to increase as people cannot sustain a living Um, in the place where they are. And in the church, the truth is, the last 18 months, folks, has not been good for the church of Jesus in this country or in the Western world. In America, they're hemorrhaging Christians, and especially young adults. And in in our country, and you know, you keep hearing all the the hypey stories of of how 176% of the population are now watching church online. Guys, it's nonsense. It really is nonsense. Everyone I speak to, they're struggling uh, to, to, to get everyone back. Some in, in serious conditions. People are damaged. People are broken. 
And so, and so for us, so for us, we're impoverished. So what should we do? Like the people of Israel, we need to cry out to the Lord for help. This is a time for intercession. This is a time to knock on the door of heaven. This is a time for us to cry out like never before to the Lord for help because we can't do it ourselves. That's why we need the power of the Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and equip us that in His strength, we might change the world. And that's what the people of Israel did. They began to cry out to the Lord. Um, There's there's a lovely little verse in Isaiah. Um, You watchmen, uh, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem in your midst, until he establishes his kingdom in your midst. And intercession and prayer, it's not, it's not trying to twist a reluctant God's arm to bless us. It's joining our hearts with his heart. John Wesley once said, in an exaggeration, but a truth in there, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. What he meant by that was, God God wants to work with us. He wants to work through his church. He longs for us to share his heart, to knock on the door of heaven, to ask him, and it's an open door. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks, receives. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts of the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? We're called to intercede. And uh, as a leadership team, uh, we, we want to we spend some days in prayer and fasting and we want to invite you as a church. Uh, we're going to announce a couple of days initially where, where we can as a church pray and fast together and maybe make a space in here for people to come and pray, but to pray in, in our homes. You don't have to. And I know for some of you, for medical reasons, fasting is not a good idea, obviously. But for any who would like to, And for for the people of Israel, as soon as they started praying, as soon as they cried out to the Lord for help, straight after, if you read later on, verse 7 to 10 uh, in uh, Judges 6, he brings a prophet to them. A prophet comes. When we pray, the first thing that happens is the prophetic is raised up in a fresh way. God begins to speak to his people. He raises up prophets uh, among his people. And we need in these days to hear the voice of the Lord like never before. We are not going to get anywhere trying to run church by committees. It's just not going to happen. And there's nothing inherently wrong in committees. That's just not the way for the church of Jesus. We're not going to get anywhere trying to decide things by democracy. Uh, every church that works on democracy, it's a disaster, you know? And that's not because I, I'm for democracy. I'm not for authoritarianism. I'm not a, a fascist or a communist. Just for the church, there's another way. There's another way. And it's not, and it's, and it's not like that. And we're not, we're not going to change the world by the sum total of our good ideas or our gifts or our abilities, 
It ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen through that. The only way is if we hear the voice of the Lord and we obey it and we are bold in following the pillar of fire and the cloud where it leads. So when the people of Israel, uh, uh, they prayed, God sent them a prophet and then God anointed a man. He anointed someone and it could have been a woman. We believe that, all right? Just, I better make sure I say that. Um, because Ali gets furious. Um, and uh, that's a joke. But we, gen- no, we genuinely do. But he anointed someone. Uh, he anointed him with the power of the Spirit to lead and to do bold things and to step up. And that's a pattern we see right through Scripture. Just three examples. First of all, Gideon. They prayed. God raised up a prophet. And then God raised up an anointed leader to lead the people. Hannah in 1 Samuel, was desperate. She, she, she stood at the entrance um, to, at the temple in Shiloh and she poured her heart out to the Lord because she was barren. She cried out to the Lord day and night and the Lord answered her prayer and her son Samuel became prophet to all Israel. She prayed, God raised up Samuel as a prophet and then straight after that, David as Israel's great king. And the supreme example, the great example, is 2,000 years ago. Israel was desperate. They were under Roman occupation. And there was Simeon, uh, who was waiting for the consolation of the Lord. There was Anna, the prophetess. There were others that were praying, who were seeking God. Lord, would you do something in our midst? We're desperate. We're desperate. Uh, We're impoverished. And what does the Lord do? He raises up John the Baptist, a great prophet who says it as it is. And then after John the Baptist comes Jesus, comes Jesus. So that's the pattern. Prayer, the prophetic and the anointed man or woman of God. Who is that person today? Who is God anointing in our midst today? Well, this is a holy moment because I'm going to tell you. I don't know why you're laughing. This is a holy moment. You. 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 And me, us, because before the day of Pentecost, God anointed a prophet, a priest, a king in the Old Testament. On the day of Pentecost, do you remember what it says? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. And he's pouring out his spirit. He wants to pour out his spirit on us, his church today. We are to be the anointed of God. That's the calling. And uh, the scripture says, the anointing that was on him, Jesus, now rests on you, plural. 
And we've turned everything into individualism, into a singular, but it's plural. The anointing that was on Jesus rests on his church. And that's why we want over the coming weeks to equip all of us to do the ministry of Jesus, to be involved in the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, oh, do you know what? I don't like the idea of this. I would rather, I would so rather he anointed, you know, there was a Jackie Pullinger uh, he anointed or there was a, a, a Nicky Cruz or a David Wilkerson or a um, Corrie Ten Boon or a Brother Andrew or whoever the modern equivalents are. Uh, but not me, not me. How, that, this can't apply to me. I'm struggling spiritually. I'm struggling emotionally. I've got all sorts of problems. I'm broken. I struggle with prayer. I don't feel I know God very well. How on earth? We're, the church is really in trouble if it's me. And as I look out at you, I can't do anything else but agree with you. I mean, look at you. Look at you. And look at me. Some of you are broken. I'm broken. Some of you struggle with stuff. I struggle with stuff. Some of you feel like you're out of your depth. Same here, especially in these days. But do you know who else felt like that? And this is our hope. Gideon. Gideon. The Lord comes to Gideon and this is hilarious. The Lord, the angel of the Lord, which means the Lord, uh, came and sat down under the oak of Oprah. That, you know, that's where she gets her name from. <laughs> um, that, that belonged to Joash the something or other, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a white press to keep it from the Midianites. So he was in hiding, um, threshing wheat in a wine press. So it wasn't even the right way around. It was like, now you make wine in a wine press. They were so desperate that he was threshing wheat in a wine press. You have to be desperate when you do that. Maybe it would have been whiskey, I don't know. When, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a flipping introduction. And then Gideon said, I have been waiting for you to see my gifts and my talents. He didn't. This is why you need to read your Bibles, because I could say anything. <laughs> listen, listen to Gideon's reply. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, if that isn't bursting the Lord's balloon, nothing is. You know, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. No, he's not. If he was with us, let me tell you. How does the Lord reply? Gideon, get a backbone. 
No, he doesn't. I love this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He doesn't say, you have to have a strength that you don't have. You have to be someone else. He says, go in the strength you have. And that's what he's saying to us. The broken, the weak, those who struggle, those who feel emotionally drained, those for whom prayer and reading the Bible is hard work. Go in the strength you have. Am I the Lord not sending you? And listen to this. This is Gideon's reply. I love this. It's so real, the Bible. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Just what we're saying. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. I will be with you. And you see Gideon feels he's the least and the last of the worst group, of the weakest group, of the smallest group. And he is the worst of all of them. And the Lord says, go in the strength you have for I am. All you need to know is I am with you. That's all you need. You just need me. And I want to work through weak people. And then he does. And then there's this amazing story. Well, first of all, first of all, Gideon then, he, he, the, he, he decides that he's going to destroy um, um, this, this altar to Baal and the Ashtoreth pole. But he's too scared to do it in the daytime because the people of Israel, they turn from God and they're worshipping idols. So he does it at night. He's so scared. And then when they all wake up in the morning, they say, who's, turned out, who's, who's burnt our altar? Who is it? And Gideon's in hiding. And then somehow they discover it was Gideon. And then Gideon's dad has to go out and defend him. Hardly what books are written about. Hardly the great hero. But then God says to Gideon, I want you to raise an army and you're going to defeat the Midianites. And there's about 300,000 Midianite soldiers. And Gideon manages to get 33,000. Not great odds. 10%. And do you know what the Lord says? He says, these are not great odds. I don't like the odds. Get rid of a whole load of them. So they ended up down to 22,000. And the Lord said, there's still too many of you. Because if I deliver you out of Midian's hand, where there's still 20 to 22,000 of you, you're going to say afterwards, it was something to do with you. You're going to say it was your strength that did it. And I don't want you to say that. Not because I need all the kudos, but because if you start thinking it's you, you'll start relying on yourselves again. And I finally got you in the place where you're relying on me. And so... Um, through a, a little process I won't go into, it was whittled down to 300. 300 against 300,000. And the Lord said, I like these odds. And do you know how it happened? I, this, is, this, is, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Um, 
Um, where are we? Oh, no, sorry. I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> um, yes. Just carry talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> right, so this is what the Lord said to Gideon. This is very good. He said, divide, divide the 300 men into three groups, 100 each. And this is verse 16 of, of chapter 7. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, Gideon placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside the jars. So they were in three groups of 100, and he said, this is what you're going to fight with. One hand, here's a trumpet each, and on the other hand, here's an empty jar with a torch in it. And the 300 of you, you're going to defeat 300,000 Midianites with a trumpet and an empty jar with a torch. What was that about? The trumpet, the symbol of worship. We will defeat the enemy as we lift Jesus higher, as we declare his praises, as we worship him. We don't do it for this reason, but when we worship, heaven is opened and the presence and the glory of God comes down. It happened all the way through scripture. And as we do that, as we do that, it's what Joshua did as they marched around Jericho, blowing their trumpets the walls came down. The walls came down. And what about the empty jars with the torch in it? Well, uh, the, the torch, I think, symbolizes uh, that we follow the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We follow the light. And we follow, we follow the pillar of fire at night, in the middle of the night. We follow his leading. And, and, and the jar, it's an empty jar. What's the point of that? I'm reminded of the widow in the time of Elijah when she had nothing and she was going to starve. And the prophet said to her, what do you have? What do you have? And she said, nothing, just these empty jars. He said, put them out. Get all the jars you have, all the empty jars you have and put them out. She put them out and the Lord filled the jars with olive oil. The anointing, the symbol of anointing. And she and her family were saved from starvation. And that's how we win the, the battle. With empty jars and with a trumpet. And that's how they did it. And when they, when they went down amongst them, uh, the Lord confused the Midianites and they started fighting each other and killing each other. The Lord won the battle and only the Lord can win the battle today. And we need to be a people who are dependent on him. And as I just begin, I come into land, there's one more from, um, from chapter eight of Gideon that I love. I love this little thing here. Um, um, uh, after the victory, uh, Gideon meets a couple of people and he says to them, uh, did, did you meet these other guys? And they said, yes, we did. And he said, what did they look like? And their response is, men like you, they answered, each one with the bearing of a prince. Gideon, hiding in his basement, trying to thresh wheat in a wine press, 
Gideon who felt the last and the least and the worst and the most puny. Gideon who tore down the altar at night because he was so scared. Gideon who won a great victory with a trumpet and an empty jar. They recognized him as a great prince. Why? Because the Lord's anointing was upon him in his weakness. My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I long, as many of you do, to see the Lord's power. And what did Gideon say? What did Gideon say when the Lord came to him? Where are your wonders? that they told us about, the wonders of the past. Where are the miracles? Now, there's two ways of looking at that. We, we can either say that that was lack of faith, and that's the obvious interpretation, and it's true, there was. But also, I think it's also valid to say, it, 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 was, it was a genuine cry. Lord, Lord, we're, we feel abandoned. Where, where are your miracles? Where are the wonders that used to happen? And I want to say in faith, Lord, where are the wonders I read in this book? Where are the wonders of the Acts of the Apostles? Where are the wonders? And Lord, I'm not going to say that in defeat. I'm going to say that in hope. That, and we're going to cry out to you. And we're going to make space for you. And we're going to prepare our hearts for you. Do you remember that old song where you sing, for I will prepare you my heart? Do we long? Do we long? Are we hungry for more of him? Are we longing for more of him? In our weakness, in our brokenness, he puts his jar, his treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing worth is from him and not from us. Church, we're going to go forward together. We're going to go for an adventure. I want to go for broke. I want to go for broke. We long, we long. We've been talking as pastors about all the, the people that we love who are struggling and we don't know and of ourselves how to help because some of us are struggling as well. And it has to be. We go out in love. We make love our aim. And we eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. We cry out. He will raise up the prophetic again. And then he will anoint us, us, to do his work in the power of his spirit for his glory and for the blessing of his world. That's where we're going.